All right. Well, let's go ahead and pray. We'll get into our message this morning. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for a time and an opportunity, Lord, to um, just come and worship you. And Lord, as we listen to the message this morning, I pray that we would have a receptive heart, that Lord, we'd have a desire to please you and honor you. And we know that very specifically, you've asked us to follow a pattern that is in Scripture of how we should live our lives. And I pray, Lord, that as we look to it, that we would seek that. We would seek an opportunity to um, just have our hearts spoken to by your Holy Spirit, by uh, your word, uh, to be changed in a such a way, Lord, that uh, um, we would please you and honor you. And Lord, I just pray that this morning we would do the same in our hearts, that we would desire to please you, that we would desire to to glorify your name as we listen. And Lord, as we listen intently, as we listen with a desire to learn, as we listen for a desire to be changed and to be affected by you, that Lord, that would be the, the thought and the intent and the purpose behind what we do this morning. Lord, again, I just thank you for these that are here, and I pray for those that are not feeling well that could not be here. I pray, Lord, you just bring them back to us healthy and safe. And again, Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for us, above all, the salvation that we have through you. Lord, salvation we couldn't get ourselves, but salvation that comes by believing on you, by trusting you as our Savior, and Lord, putting all of our faith, our hope, everything that we are in your hands. And Lord, I pray we'll keep that in mind as we think on these things this morning. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 2. Now, a few a few months ago or a few weeks ago, we were, we were talking about some things in Jeremiah. And uh, Jeremiah chapter 2 has got a lot of information that's packed in there. And uh, there's a message that I continue to go back to in the book of Jeremiah that is a very important one. Um and you'll know that if if you've been around me long enough, you know that my heart's desire for Christians uh, is to make sure that we're thinking according to the Word of God, that we're thinking according to uh, what God desires us to think. And that sometimes means that we have to change the way we think, as we talk about in Romans chapter 12. And we've talked quite a bit about that, and we've talked quite a bit about change, we know that the Bible talks about change being difficult. It talks about change being as difficult as an Ethiopian changing his skin and a leopard changing his spots. That's tough to do. It's very difficult. But I will tell you, with God, all things are possible. And here we are in the book of Jeremiah, and, and uh, we obviously see in Jeremiah chapter 1 in verses 1 through 3 of who he is and the timeline and the kings that he's around and and we know that there's been some bondage that has been brought into the northern kingdoms. There's some things that are happening down over there in uh, the, the the kingdom of Judah, where, again, they're moving into some things of sin. They're having to get some things purged out of their life. And here's Jeremiah delivering this message as a faithful messenger to God, uh, of God, to these individuals, to these people. We've talked a little bit about how in verse 13 of chapter 2, that they have forsaken God. Uh, they are doing exactly what they're not supposed to be doing. They've forsaken God in the, the form of uh, what they were supposed to be doing, about glorifying Him, about doing His will, about being a vessel of use, of honor unto the Lord, and, and, and they're, 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 they're broken. Uh, they've got the wrong source of, uh, of, if you will, water in their life. There are just many problems. And if we look at verse uh, 20 of chapter 2 of the book of Jeremiah, he, he says very clearly that there's been some past correction. And he says, For of old time I have broken thy yoke and burst thy bands, and thou saidest, I will not transgress. No, that's a good thing. They were corrected. God did something. But here's the problem. Look at what happens. They make that statement... But then there's no follow-through. When upon every high hill and under every green tree thou wanderest, playing the harlot. 
He says, you got idols all over the place. You, you, you say very clearly, I will not transgress. And yet they don't do anything to make the change in their life. You know, as a young Christian, I remember there would be times that I would be convicted of some sin in my life, and I would be sitting there saying, oh man, and I would respond to a message. And I would respond and I would be, you know, I'd plead in my seat or come to an altar or I'd kneel down or, or something afterwards and I would pray to God and I'm like, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm, I'm not gonna sin. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna continue to have this in my life. Lord, I'm gonna make a decision right now. But then nothing ever happened. Why was that? Because nothing was ever gotten rid of. There was no real change that occurred. And I will tell you, there is nothing more frustrating in a young Christian's life when they don't see the change, but yet they can't see wherein they are erroring in their life. They can't see the fact that they need to get rid of the idol. They need to get rid of the sin. They need to forsake it as we read this morning. They need to, to, to make sure they're forsaking iniquity and forsaking those, those unrighteous thoughts. This becomes the mindset. This is what they're supposed to be doing. But again, they try to go along and they try to keep one foot in the world and one foot in Christ, and, and it just doesn't work. And they struggle. And they flounder, much as Israel did. You go down there at verse 22, and, and, and here he says in verse 22 of uh, Jeremiah 2, for though thou uh, wash thee with nitre and would, and take thee much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. There they are. They're trying to wash themselves and cleanse themselves of their own sin. We can't do that. We can't do that. That is an action in futility. The only one that can cleanse us from all unrighteousness and for sin is the Lord Jesus Christ. By his death, burial, and resurrection, that shed blood upon the cross for our sins that we receive, and, and that that's the payment for it that washes us white as snow. Now, when we understand that concept, we begin to, to say, okay, well, I, I truly believe that. I desire that. I, I, you know, I, I want that in my life. I want that mindset because sometimes when it comes to the part where we have to deal with a sin, we try to go about it the wrong way. And here they are trying to wash, if you will, with a physical soap and water in this typology. And God says, I still see it. I still see it. You hate that. You get you get a, get a stain on one of your favorite pieces of clothes. And you go in there and, and, and you try to make sure that you get it out. But isn't it odd that you get it out most of the way, you get it out about 99.9% of the way, but you still see that just margin? You still see a little bit of where it was? Now, again, for, for, for most people, they're not going to see it. They're not going to really notice that right out of the gate. But for you, it stands out like a sore thumb. For you, it stands out as if the stain is just, it just you know, mocking you. <laughs> nah, 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 you couldn't get me out. But here we are, you know, we, we try to cleanse in a certain way. We try to get rid of sin out of our life, and we go about doing it the wrong way. And God says, I still see it. I still see it. Kind of like Adam and Eve trying to hide their nakedness with, with, with fig leaves. It didn't work out so well. And again, as I said before, that would be one difficult thing to try to sew together. I mean, leaves are not, you know, it's just not at the top of the list of things that I would probably choose as a, as a covering. As it could be really delicate. Just don't move and it won't fall off. But here we are looking at this and we see Israel is going through these, the, this desire, if you will, to cleanse, but they're doing it the wrong way. They're doing it the wrong way. And here in verse 23, you know, the Lord says, How canst thou say, I am not polluted, I have not gone after Balaam, seeing the way in the valley, know that thou, uh, know what thou hast done, thou art swift, uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that's the right verse, hold on a second here. Yeah. Um, in, uh, oh, I lost my place here. Hold on. Verse, uh, verse 23, he says, How can they say that I am not polluted? 
Therein is the response. They, they look at it and they say, I'm, I think I'm clean. I, I have nothing in me. I, I've got no problems. And, and God's saying, how can you say that? How can you say that you, you're, you're not going after Balaam when, when, when you're, you're going after the, that false doctrine, that false way, every single opportunity you get? How can you say that you're not changing things? How can you say that you are, uh, uh, um, if you will, uh, seeking the Lord in this? Here's part of the problem. If you go down there to verse 35, in verse 35, yet thou sayest, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from, uh, uh, turn, uh, um, turn from me. Behold, I will plead with thee, because thou sayest, I have not sinned. They think they've got it. They think they've cleansed it. They think they've done their best. But the problem is they haven't. The problem is, is they haven't. And what happens here in verse 36, and this is the main, the main thought process of this, this message this morning. In verse 36, notice what he says. Why gaddest thou about so much to change thy way? Thou also shall be ashamed uh, of Egypt as thou wast ashamed of Assyria. This is an interesting little verse. We don't use that word gadding about much anymore. That's kind of the title of the message, gadding about. I think it's one we need to bring back. You get get all sorts of peculiar looks, like, what? Go look it up. (laughs) And, and, And you know what we find? We find that the, the, the definition of that word is, 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 is interesting. Uh, gad just means to ramble about, uh, idly, without any fixed purpose. You're just gadding about. And he says, look, this is the way I look at it when you try to make a change in your life, Israel. You just kind of like, Trying to do something, look busy, but you're not really doing much. You, you, you go over there and you try to cleanse yourself and then you say you're clean and you say you're not polluted and you're saying I haven't sinned and, and all of these things and, and oh, God's going to be merciful to me because I've tried this and, and, and he says, no, you, you haven't tried what you're supposed to try. And they just go through and what do they do? They just try everything to make a change. You know, in the Christian life, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, uh, and this is a rather condemning statement about their actions. He says, you got no purpose. You're just just doing something just to do. There's, There's no reason why you're even doing it. You're trying to, you're trying to wash over here. You're trying to, you know, declare your own innocency over here. You're trying to do all of these things, but, but all you're doing is, is, is you're avoiding the subject matter. You're avoiding the real issue. If you go back to verse 21, he, he kind of makes mention of a little bit of this gadding here in verse 21. He says, yet I planted thee a noble vine. Holy, a right seed. How then art thou turned into a degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? Degenerate plant. Wow. <laughs> that's a pretty firm wording. You know what gadding about is actually a term that has to deal with some things of botany. Specifically gadding vines. It's vines that just go everywhere. They just go... They don't go where you want them to go. As a matter of fact, they go in the places where you don't want them to go. And you try to steer them, and when you try to steer them, they go right back to it. Those are vines that you don't want, because they get into places that they shouldn't be. You know, to a degree, we kind of have a little bit of that with blackberry bushes around here. They just get wherever they're going to get. And then whenever they are, and wherever they are, they just seem to sprout more. 
And then when you think you got rid of them all and after you've burned the earth, <laughs> and you're sitting there and you kind of get that all oh, proud of yourself look, you're like, I got it. And then two weeks later, there's this little shoot that just goes, Soop! and you're like, how did that get there? Instant fertilized seed by the bird. Flies over, does an aerial bombardment, and leaves behind the perfect time bomb. And you're like, what? And the next thing you know is you're fighting that thing all over again. But here he's saying to Israel, he says, I planted you as a noble vine. I planted you with a purpose. I planted you with a purpose. Nobility. Honor. He says, now all you are is just this degenerate plant that nobody wants around. I gotta dig it up. I gotta root it out. I gotta get, I gotta get the right one back in there. What happened? What happened, Israel? And there's this gadding vine, this degenerate plant, and as he talks about them gadding about, there's no specific direction in their life. They're just all over the place. They're just all over the place. And I dare say that many times that's what happens in a Christian's life when they realize that there's something there that they need to change. Just like the nation of Israel, when they realized there was something that they needed to change in verse 22, when they realized, hey, there's a, there's some sin in our life, we've got to try to get it out. They go about doing it the wrong way. They go about it without the right direction, without the right purpose in their life. You see, to, to truly make a change in a Christian's life, to, to make a change that is going to actually do something, not just change for the sake of change, but something that is going to have a, a true effect in your life, you have to have purpose in the action. You have to have purpose in the action. Let's say one day you're just sitting there and all of a sudden you get convicted of a sin. Maybe it's on the ride to, into work. Maybe it's when you get home. Maybe somebody points it out to you. Maybe there's a direct rebuke. Maybe it happens when you're reading the Word of God. Regardless of whatever it is, conviction has hit your heart. You've got to make a change now, right? Now, you, you always have the choice to ignore it. Not the right choice. Just in case you were wondering, ignoring the conviction of the Holy Spirit will wind you up in a very, very, very bad place. Yeah. Go ask Paul. <laughs> he was into a place where he was just murdering people. That was a bad place. That's a bad place to be. Now, when we start looking at what God's talking about in this passage, we realize that he's asking the nation of Israel to have some specific purpose in their life, to actually make a decision. And when that conviction comes and you choose, yes, I'm going to do something about it, it's not a matter of you sit down and you, you or you get on your knees and you pray and you, you cry and you wail before God. God, God, I want you to take care of this for me. God, I want you to do something. God, I, just, just remove it from my life. God, do these things. And they try in futility to get it done, but then they never do anything in their life the way that God told them to get rid of it. You know, God gave them a plan of what to do when idols came in. Purge it. Purge it. He had examples throughout scripture. Purge it. Collect it all. Grind it up. Burn it. Throw the ashes in the brook, Kidron. I mean, you know, one of the most polluted places it seems to be. You know, they were taking care of it. They, they, they were to get rid of all of it. But he said, look, you guys say you're getting rid of all of it, but yet you've got stuff hidden under these trees and you got stuff over here. You got stuff hidden about. And what are you still doing? You're still going about, if you will, whoring with other gods. You're, you're going about changing, uh, uh, what you're supposed to be doing into that degenerate plant because you refuse to remove the sin. And then when you get convicted of the sin, you don't do anything about it the way you're supposed to. 
And that happens in a Christian life. So let's say you there you are, you get convicted, you realize you need to make the choice, you need to make the decision, and you make the choice and decision to say, God, I'm going to have have you do something in my life. And Lord, Lord, I, I know that there's something that, that is necessary that's going to have to happen, and he's there to strengthen you. As we talked about this morning, there's the ways of escape, all of the stuff with the temptation. He is far more powerful than any of the sin that is in your life. Uh, he is going to, uh, uh, you know, he's obviously brought deliverance and victory already. There's things that we need to understand. But we have to make a purpose. Go over to the book of Job. I want you to turn to Job chapter 17. Job chapter 17. Uh, Job's, you know, struggling at this point in time with this whole issue of, of why he's going through what he's going through and, and, uh, him thinking that he, he really doesn't deserve it. Um, and in Job chapter 17, as he's responding to his friends and, and basically tells them that, uh, um, that they're, uh, they're not righteous and uh, they're not wise and so on and so forth. You get down to verse 11 of Job chapter 17. He says, my days are past. My purposes are broken off. Even the thoughts of my heart. And there he is, if you will, a decent age. And he's, he's saying, I got no purpose in my life. Everything's gone. It's all broken off. Lost my family, lost my wealth, my health is in shambles. And he says, I got no purpose anymore. Man, that's a depressing thing. It's a depressing thing. When we think about that, we we understand that sometimes when we go through troubles, that that, that may be a thought. What's the purpose? Why? 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 What's the reason behind all of this? Well, I'll tell you this. The reason behind all of it starts with this thought process. How do I give God glory in all of it? Is there something I need to change? I mean, in the end, Job did say something. He repented and dust, he repented in dust and ashes. I mean, he was, he, he called himself vile. I mean, he, he realized that there were some things in his thought life that were not exactly what it should have been. And in the process of God being justified with his actions and what he was doing, there were some things that were brought out of Job's life that he needed to make some changes in. He needed to do some things. But here we are looking at this, and what do we find here? This is a purpose in his life that he seems at this point in time broken off. Well, what was the purpose behind all of it? The purpose behind all of it was to show that God was right in the first place. That the devil was wrong. That God was right. I mean, we, we, we think about that. I, I tell you, that's probably one of the most important things that we can learn. Especially if we want to learn about change. Go to another passage. I want you to go over to the book of Psalms. Just the the next book over. Psalms chapter 17. Psalm chapter 17. Psalm chapter 17. And in in verse 3. He says here. The psalmist, thou, talking about, talking to God, thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night, thou hast tried me, and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. I love that verse. And at the same time, it's like a knife right through my heart. He says, look, God, you're looking at my life, you're looking at what's going on, and one of the ways that he desires to keep things holy and the way he desires to do the things that are right is he says, you know what, I'm going to make a purpose in my life. I will not sin with my mouth. Kind of like what Job did. He didn't sin with his lips. Some thought processes might have been off, but... (laughs) 
And he says, I, I, I'm not going to do it. I mean, it's just like James 3. You can be a perfect man if you can control your tongue. You can be a perfect woman just to control your tongue. You can be a perfect daughter and child and son if we just control our tongue. And again, that also involves controlling what we tell ourselves up in our head too. And he says here, very clearly, he says, I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. You know what he means by that? It means that he has actually made a vow, that he has actually put forth an effort, and he has found a way that he is going to avoid using the wrong words in his life. The sinful words. He's not going to lie to himself. He's not going to lie to others. He's not going to go a direction that he shouldn't go. He's going to, he's going to very clearly purpose. He's going to purpose. I want you to go over another passage. Let's go over to Proverbs. Next book over. Proverbs chapter 15. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 15. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 15, and uh, says here in verse 22, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. You ever try to purpose to do something and then you fell flat on your face? That happened to anybody else? Happens a lot. <laughs> you know what the main reason is? Is because we didn't seek counsel. We didn't seek counsel. Now, I'll tell you this, you know, sometimes people will seek counsel and they'll seek around, seek it to find it the wrong way. They will seek counsel in their friends and their family and other places, but they will never go to the Word of God. The Bible says that the counsel of the word of God, that shall stand. That shall stand. Not not the word of Ken Stewart. Not the word of man, not the word of anyone else, but, 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 but God's word. So when he talks about counsel here, you know what book he's talking about. You know the counselors that are in here? I'm sure Josiah would be a good counselor about picking the wrong fight. I'm sure that King David would be a good, very good counselor on making sure that you're in the right place at the right time and that you do it the right way. I'm sure that Solomon would say, stick with one wife. (laughs) Good counsel, yes? And as you look through it, you find over and over again, there's counselors that are there. And he says, look, if you don't have the counsel of the word of God, your purpose in your life is going to be disappointment. You're going to be disappointed over and over and over and over again. So we have to find the correct counsel. We have to find it the right way. Turn in Proverbs, turn to chapter 20. In a similar form in Proverbs chapter 20, In verse 18, it says, every purpose is established by counsel. He just said, without it, you're going to find disappointment. But if you're going to to, to purpose something in your life, you have to do it with the right counsel. You have to do it with the word of God. And he says, and with good advice, make war. You know what? A lot of people don't, you know what they do? Man, they make war without ever talking to anybody. They laid war on every, honestly, somebody should have sat down with, with, with Putin and said, dude, this is a bad idea. But I'm pretty sure somebody did sit down with Putin and tell him it's a bad idea. And the next thing you know is he winds up over in Siberia on a first, you know, first class uh, ticket over there to the frozen wonderland. And, and he refused to listen. One of the key things that we have to do as Christians is we have to be able to willing to be listened, listen to the counsel of God. We have to be willing to listen to what he tells us. Why? So that we can know how to purpose in our heart to do the right thing. 
I want you to turn over to the book of Acts now. Going to several places this morning just to reinforce this, that, that the reason that the nation of Israel was gadding about, the reason that they were wandering around and, and it seemed like they were aimlessly trying to find whatever would fit to make the change in their life was futile because God says you need to have purpose. He said, like, why are you, you know, why gaddest thou uh, uh, about so much? They're seeking it all the wrong places. Look, here in Acts chapter 11 and in verse 23, Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11 and in verse 22, he says, uh, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad. He was seeing the work of God being done and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Now, I like this, and this is a good verse for us to kind of memorize and meditate upon, that he says, here they are. He sees God's work already in their hands. He says, look, guys, I want you to do something. I want you to now determine to do it with purpose that you are going to cleave unto God. Cleaving unto God, you don't do by accident. It just doesn't happen in your life. You have to purpose to do it. You have to make a decision, stand firm in that decision that is given by counsel of the Word of God and say, this is what I'm going to do in my life. So many times we realize that we need to change and we don't have the purpose. We don't purpose to change and we seek all around. You know what? Part of the issue is, is modern psychology and psychiatry really does not do a lot to change a person's heart. It may change an outward behavior for a period of time, but it doesn't address the real issues. But the purpose of the counsel of the Word of God makes a change in a man's life. You, people will change, they will go about looking to find out and figure out a way to change, and they'll say, well, well I'll do this in my life, and, and, and surely that will be enough to make the change. And they'll say, well, 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 I'm, I'm going to stop doing this. You don't want to know, you want to know why New Year's resolutions fail? Because they're incomplete. They're incomplete. Somebody gets up there and says, I am going to purpose, you know, I'm going to make a resolution that I'm not going to, uh, whatever. Put whatever you want in there. Drink Starbucks. There you go. I'm going to purpose that I've been spending too much at Starbucks. I'm going to make, you know, they, they go home and they make coffee at home and they buy a thousand dollar machine and then, <laughs> but you know, they, they purpose and they say, well, I'm going to cut back on coffee. I'm not going to cut back on Starbucks. And then, you know what happens? About two weeks later, as they're sitting there, like some sort of addict at work, Trying to, trying to figure out why their heart is like racing, why they can't focus. And then they go, Oh, I just, I just need a little bit. I just need a little bit. And what do they do? They go get a little bit. And then what happens? Next thing you know, come next, next, you know, December, I'm going to purpose to not, <laughs> not drink so much Starbucks. You know why? It's because they never replaced it. They never took that with purpose and said, "I will not sin against God." And again, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Starbucks is sin, okay? 
I am perfect, you know, talking to Christians, I'm not going to, to sin against God. I'm going to make sure that what I'm doing here is, I know is sin, that I know I'm convicted of it, I know it's wrong, it says so in scripture, I want to stop doing it, but in order to stop doing it, I'm going to come over here and I'm going to pick up with my hands the thing which God told me that I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to do that to please Him, to glorify Him, to honor Him, to set myself aside, so I don't go back over there and try to pick that up. Look, you ever see that person that that, that, uh, is, is, let's just call him the lazy man that just doesn't want to go back to the car one more time. So instead of taking two trips, they carry it all in one. The entire Costco purchase, including the couch. (laughs) Because you only went in for milk. Um, and and, and they, 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 they just... Look, I am guilty of it. <laughs> I am guilty of it. Conviction in my heart. <laughs> the rebuke has come. <laughs> but, you know, we, look, we do that, right? And there you are. you got all that stuff in your hands. And you know what? You got it all there, and you you realize you can't pick up anything else. And you look at that. I want you to picture that next time. When you realize you've got sin in your life, you know what you need to be doing? You need to fill it with all, all that stuff as if it were from Costco, filled in your hands with the things of God. Because then guess what? You can't go back over there and pick up one more thing. Because you know what happens if you try to pick up one more thing? You're going to drop all the good things God's given you. You're going to lose it all to pick up the one thing that he told you not to touch. The one thing he told you, don't eat that. The one thing he said, don't do that. But, 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 no. You already got enough in your hands. And you don't need it anyways. Because look at how much I've already given you. And I tell you, it's because we haven't purposed to be thankful for what we have in our hands. It's because we haven't purposed to be thankful for the grace of God. It's because we haven't purposed to be close to our Savior. It's because we haven't purposed at all. And we're gadding about trying all sorts of quick fixes. Trying this, trying that, fad this and fad that. Trying the power of positive thinking. Trying to, you know, look in the mirror every morning and give ourselves a pep talk. Things of that. When the very first place we should have been going to was God to do it his way. We try all the worldly stuff. That's all we're doing is gadding about. That's all we're doing is gadding about. Now, I want you to go to one more place over here in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. I want you to see this. Romans chapter 8. There's a verse in here that we love to quote, right? There's a verse in Romans chapter 8, 28, that says... And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. We always kind of stop there. There's a, there's another phrase after that. Look, I dare say that if I was to ask everybody in here this morning, you would all say you love the Lord. And if there's somebody in here that says that they don't love the Lord, then I would say you need to come see me afterwards because I want to tell you how much he loves you. That he gave himself for you. He died on a cross for you. Just so you could have a forgiveness of sins. Just so that you didn't have to die and go to hell. Just so that you can have eternal home in heaven with him. Just so that one day you'll have a perfect body that won't have sin and it won't hurt and it won't, you know, snap and crack when you get up in the morning and it's just going to be absolutely wonderful. And that's the side benefit.
But here he is, he says, and we know all things work together for good to them that love God. But here I want you to see this part, and I want you to think about this. To them who are the called according to a purpose? Some purpose? No. His purpose. You want to know why Israel was gadding about? You want to know why they were trying everything else? Why they were wandering around as if they had no purpose? Because they had not taken the purpose that he had specifically called them for. He said, I I made you a noble vine. But now you're degenerate. And he said, why is that? Because you got no purpose in your life, Israel. You got no purpose. You know, sometimes in this life, you're going to feel like you're floundering. You're going to feel like you just, you, you know, every single day just is like a mundane monotony. And you're just like, oh, why am I continuing to do this? I wake up and one day is the same as the next. And you're just like, why, why, why? Want to know why? That's the Lord telling you you got no purpose in your life. And I dare say that the purpose that we should have as believers is His purpose. His will. What He wants. Many people walk around this life without purpose. And God says, you can have a purpose. And everything's going to work out okay. If you have His purpose. If you do His purpose. You know, I wrote down a list, and it's a list that I have in the front of my little counseling notebook. Because I'll go back to it, and I'll refer to it constantly. And it's keys to consistent Christian living. Keys to consistent Christian living. There's, I got nine of them written down. And uh, if you want to know them, you can make a counseling appointment. <laughs> but 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 I'll go through, and I want you to think about this. First and foremost, the Christian life is not an automatic function. It's not autopilot. That's what gadding about is. No purpose. You're just flying. And, uh, and that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're, we're, we're supposed to have, each one of us, we're supposed to have a purpose in our life. And that's his purpose. And when you think about consistent Christian living and we wonder why we, we, we have failings and why we have, why we fall and why we struggle with certain things, uh, a, a lot of this is because these things get, they get put by the wayside and we get about with other things that don't really have a purpose. First thing you need to do is you need to purpose to spend time with the Lord. You want consistent Christian living in your life? Purpose to spend time with God. Purpose to spend time with God. Make it. Yeah, but I, I, I got to do then, 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 then make time as far as pushing something else out that doesn't need to be there. What do you do? Purpose to spend time with the Lord. Purpose to seek peace, hope, and comfort from the Word of God through His Holy Spirit. Don't seek peace, comfort, and and and, and hope from anywhere else. There's only one source of that. Purpose to purge sinful behaviors, words, and thoughts and replace them with biblical ones. Start going through your life and one by one start nailing them to the cross. Get it out. Yeah, I, this is this is wrong. This is wrong. You know, simple simple one. You know, I, I, I heard a pastor say one time. He said, "You need to do the Bible diet." Well, what's the Bible diet? Is that where I eat all the stuff that's in the Bible? No, it's it's this. It's where you say, "Well, I'm hungry." Okay, before you before you eat anything, any snack or anything of that nature. You sit down and you read until God gives you something. Well, that could be a while. 
It could be. You know what happens? You'll find that you desire that more than the snack. More than the necessary food, as Job said. Purpose in your life to pray continually and fast frequently. Do that. Pray constantly and fast frequently. Don't go telling everybody that you are praying constantly and fasting frequently because you know what happens? Uh, that kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> fasting is about humiliation. Fasting is about humbleness. Fasting is about recognizing where your failings are. Purpose in your life to limit the affection of the world. Don't let the world affect you. Don't let it make a change. Purpose in your life to assemble with other believers. The fellowship of the saint is more than just getting together uh, uh, and, and playing a card game, okay? You know what it is? It's sitting down comforting and encouraging one another. Sitting down talking about Bible. Well, look, you know, God gives us the ability to do things and enjoy it, and you know, um, you know, in the times past when I've gone shooting with Dan at the office, you know, it's great. Somehow, some way, it, 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 some somehow during the course of the con, you know, the, the 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 blasting away of targets, the punching of holes in the paperwork, um, guess what happens? Start talking Bible. Assemble with other believers, purpose to do that. Don't forsake it. Purpose to do it. I don't feel like it. God does not care whether you feel like it or not. He wants you to do it, regardless. Purpose to seek out those who will disciple you and who you can disciple. I want you to think about that one. Purpose in your life to seek out those that the Lord has put there that will disciple you in scriptural things and then turn around and find somebody else you can disciple. I'll tell you, that will change some of the sinful patterns in your life really quick. Because not only are you receiving it in, but you're also giving it out. You've got a constant flow. Constant flow. No stagnation. No stagnation. And uh, <clears throat> last one is uh, purpose to commit. Now that may sound like it's a redundant thing, but you have to make a vow. You have to make a vow that you're going to purpose in your heart to value what God values. He values his word. He values uh, uh, the church. He values others. He values purity and holiness, righteousness, uh, um, uh, competency, if you will, uh, authority, integrity. He, he values reconciliation. He values Christ. And so should we. We get into a mindset where we're just gadding about. You know what we are? We're just a double-minded person. We're unstable. We have no direction. We're just all over the place. Going back to our, the passage that we started off with this morning, something to think about over there in Jeremiah 2.36. Why, why, why is this happening? Why gaddest thou about so much to change thy way? You realize that takes a lot more effort than just doing it the way that Christ told us to. There's a lot more expenditure of energy over here versus simply just doing it the right way first. And here we are just looking at just a simple verse in Jeremiah and God's talking about change in our life. He uses them as an example that we can learn from.
I want to ask this question. Will we purpose to change? Will we, prepare, will we purpose to fulfill His will? Will we purpose that it is His purpose in our life? Something was once said that if you assume that the status status quo will remain, then it ends up to you being blindsided. And I'll tell you this, sin's got a good habit of doing that. Sneaking up on you and taking you out when you weren't looking. Just because you thought everything was fine. And as a Christian, if you purpose... You've got direction. If you purpose, you've got Scripture. If you purpose, you've got the Holy Spirit. If you purpose, God will make that change in your life. That is what we seek after. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time, and I thank you again for what you've given to us in your word. And Lord, many times we go about in this life seeking all sorts of other quick fixes to solve our problems or to make a change. But Lord, as believers here this morning, we've clearly heard that you've got the answer. Lord, we know that the purpose in our life is yours. And Lord, we understand that it'll work out. It'll be good if we just seek your purpose in our life. Lord, I pray we would understand that. I pray, Lord, that we would have a desire and to change according to your word, that, Lord, we wouldn't just wander about aimlessly, trying to grasp at straws in our life. But, Lord, if we're confronted with sin, if we're confronted with where we need to change in our life, if you've convicted us, if you've shown us, that, Lord, we would seek to do that according to your will. That, Lord, regardless of what it is in our life, where we're heading, uh, that, Lord, that purpose that is yours, I pray, Lord, that we would seek the counsel of your word, the advice of your scripture, to guide and direct us in those paths of righteousness that you lead us into. Lord, may we meditate and think on these things this morning. And I ask and I pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat>